show is part of the sports ethos family of podcasts so check them out on twitter at sports ethos online sports ethos.com i'm excited to bring on a guest i've had on the show a few times one that i already teased we would be doing a series with well this is the first installment of that you can find him on twitter at rvl hoops it is richard lou richard how are you doing sir uh doing great yeah great to great to be here Absolutely. And by the way, if y'all were under a rock or didn't listen to some previous episodes, either is fine. Um, definitely make sure to check out Richard's Substack. I'll have the link for that in the description of the show, as well as um, Richard Liu. Just put NBA Almanac on Amazon. You'll find his work there as well. Um, just meeting a scout, former analyst, consultant. This guy knows his ball. And I'm excited to get into this with you, sir. We talked about this before of doing a tank watch, if you will, just kind of monitoring the progress of teams that will be in the discussion, for better or for worse, for Victor Minyama, and just checking on them periodically. So um, if you look at Tangleton right now, we have eight teams there. We already have four that we are going to talk about, but the easy ones are like Orlando, San Antonio, Detroit. Houston's climbed into a tie with Charlotte, but Houston's there as well. And then you have Charlotte, Chicago, the Lakers, and Miami. Of course, we know Chicago's pick will go to Orlando and Lakers will go to the Hornets, but um, to the Pelicans, rather, excuse me. What we're trying to do here is really just take time. Richard and I have each scouted out two of these teams, two teams apiece, and going to give some insight as to what they've done well and why they might be in this situation. And what we decided to do was not look at the easy odd-on favorites for Weminyama, but the four teams that, for better or worse, didn't want to be here. Um, and so we've settled right now on the Hornets, the Lakers, the Bulls, and I'm forgetting one more and team the here. the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thank you, Richard. Oklahoma City Thunder, interesting. That's another fun one we we'll get to because people probably did expect them to be there, but they're playing way better than expected. So we're going to start this bad boy off with Richard sharing your insights on the Bulls <laughs> and what you've seen from them so far. Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting kind of to watch the Bulls over the past, you know, like week, uh, these past few weeks where, you know, they just sort of look kind of disjointed as a as a team. I mean, a lot's been, yeah, if you actually like go back and kind of just look at their record, you know, since like the second half of last season, I mean, they've been under 500 basically to this point that, and 
an interesting just co like coincidence that has kind of occurred as a that just happened was this was also the time that Lonzo Ball went down with his um, torn meniscus and mm -hmm. he's had a hard time kind of recovering from this as you know he was supposed to ramp up and get back for the playoffs but then that rehab he had to get shut down and then he had another sort of complication some kind of I think it was like some kind of inflammation or something like that and so yeah he's been his loss has kind of been felt in the sense that they have a lot of sort of mouths to feed with Zach Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic, some of their young guys, and they, and you know, Ball's their main distributor. And so you get this sense, you know, you don't, you get kind of a, it's more of a competition for shots on offense versus, you know, kind of more of a free flowing, free flowing kind of, you know, just, you know, attack where you can, where, you know, guys are working seamlessly off of each other. Instead, you kind of have, you know, the offense kind of, tends to grind to a halt when DeRozan or Vucevic gets it. And then you have someone like Levine kind of standing off to the side or, or, you know, you get this situation where some guy, you know, like guys are feeling like they're never going to get the ball back. So you get, you know, a rushed shot, but, you know, so their offense has been kind of, kind of been struggling over these past weeks. And so they've kind of, been under 500 and they're kind of just on the outskirts of the of the play in tournament so then there's and then they also have this strange kind of situation regarding their pick where their pick is very likely to go to Orlando but it is but it is protected in the top four so there's been talk that you know they should there's been talk to maybe blow it up so you can like boost your chances of getting to of keeping this pick and landing somebody like Wembenyama but and so it's an interesting thing to see if they actually go through with something like that, where they do have some pieces that could be, in, you know, intriguing to a contender. Like, you know, they could always, you know, again, turn around and flip to Marta Rosen for, you know, team, you know, flip to Marta Rosen for a couple of couple of first round picks. I mean, team like team like Phoenix would be a good good match for that, you know, where, you know, they have some, they have, you know, Jay Crowder and, you know, she, you know, Dario, you know, they have a match in salaries and they're, they, you, they're, they're a team that doesn't really value the draft as, you know, there was an ESPN article, that, yep. you know, out coming out that they usually, you know, they're, they're, you know, usually pretty willing to kind of include those picks in a deal. So they wanted to throw a couple of picks for DeMar DeRozan and, I don't know, get the, you know the mid the mid range Avengers together and just have like the best mid range scorers on one on one team. You know that could be an option. And then you know that they have other vet other guys. You know that you know like you know somebody like you know an Alex Caruso or you know like Kobe White might be somebody that you know could be interesting pickups that could get them some assets and they could maybe bottom out. But then they're at a point where you know you're we're you know, six weeks into the season and it's tough to tell if they actually, if they actually could, you know, you know, lose enough to get that pick. And then also they might not get lucky in the lottery. So their pick might end up going to Orlando anyway. So that's kind of an interesting situation to watch and, you know, where they're not quite a, you know, they're not quite on, 
you know, able to contend for a legitimate playoff spot, but you know, though, you know, it's, it's a risky strategy to go and blow it up because, you know, it could still kind of blow up in their face and they might, you know, have just dumped out a bunch of assets to not keep a, not keep their first round pick. So, so that's been interesting just to see just how, how things have gone. And, you know, and then, you know, if, seeing if things, you know, kind of maybe get better. I mean, they are, they are one of the better defensive teams in the league. So they could always, so, you know, if they work out their rotation, you know, just work out the rotation, they might pick up a few games and slide into one of those play in slots. But yeah, that's kind of been kind of, they've been kind of, you know, just kind of up and down over, over the last, you know, few kind of weeks or so. So. Yeah. And we know it doesn't, you know, benefit them to tank because of their pick going to Orlando. So the idea is that you outlined for them to probably try to get back, not contention. I think it's well past that time, right? For like a, a deep playoff run, but at least making the playoffs and digging themselves out of this hole are probably what you will laid out because the alternative really isn't an alternative. Yeah, that's really, yeah. I mean, maybe like retooling more than anything, just kind of yeah. picking kind of maybe picking at like a, a few of their guys to build around maybe, you know, it's like if they can, you know, they probably are more incentivized to build around Levine because they maxed him out. And so he's going to be making, you know, upwards of, you know, somewhere 40 million a year for the next four or five, you know, four or five years. So building something more around his skill set, And so maybe you might take somebody, maybe you can see if you could get something for, you know, something for a Vucevic where you can, get you know some maybe some some kind some pieces that fit a little bit better so you don't have this kind of this kind of you know disjointed offense where suddenly you know you throw the ball down into the post or you know you throw down the ball in the post and then suddenly movement all halts and you know and then you 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 have the guy who's making the most money you know standing kind of out on the perimeter with not much to do so so maybe just, you know, kind of, you know, you know, just finding pieces that better fit. And then also this, you know, helps them development wise, because you, you have, you know, they have Patrick Williams, who was, you know, the fourth pick in 2020. And he was and they've been trying to kind of fit him into this rotation. But, you know, he's it's kind of been hard to kind of get him kind of to find a role that sort of works with him because, you know, he's either again, just spotting up or he's, you know, kind of, kind of, a you know, a little bit of a, like a misfit piece, you know, you know, with what they have, because there are just so many other higher usage guys to, to account for. So, so maybe, uh, maybe instead of, you know, just all out rebuilding, it's just kind of seeing what they have value wise and, you know, just flipping, you know, parts that don't fit for parts that do fit. So, that could be something the Bulls do. Definitely. I think it's something I recommend with you, like in terms of taking that on, because it benefits them to do so. Um, it's just so weird. I mean, here's the thing. The Bulls really sold out and thought that this three-man unit of Vucevic, DeRozan, and um, Levine would ha- would work out well. And I don't think anyone saw Vucevic's decline coming as quickly uh, or Levine's knee being that serious of a concern, you know, long lasting past this initial season. I mean, obviously, DeRozan been playing more or less the same, but he alone isn't going to keep you afloat, as we've seen. So definitely something there. But 
as you used uh, before we started, a, a brilliant transition from one ball brother being the key to one team season to another. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> and we know that they have been without the service of LaMelo Ball. He has played just three games this season due to initial ankle injury, came back, played the three games, and then re-sprained that ankle on a fan um, or, like, landing on a fan um, and has been out ever since. So his impact has been the lack of his presence can't be overstated. Uh, this Hornets team is 7-17 seven and 17 at the moment. Uh, you could tell directly where LaMelo's absence is felt because the, the Hornets sit dead last in offensive rating at 107.4. They're 21st in defensive rating, which considering the personnel is more of a testament to Coach Clifford's coaching as a defensive-minded coach because not like the Hornets have a lot of good defenders on this team, and so they should be toward the back half, and they already are, but like toward the very end of defensive rating, and they're really not, and that's, of course, I give a lot of credit to Clifford, but right now, that's where they sit, and honestly, injuries have been the name of the game for the Hornets, and it has been unfortunate, but They've tried out so many different lineups, so many different units between LaMelo Ball, Dennis Smith Jr., Terry Rozier, each have missed time with sprained ankles. Cody Martin has been unavailable all season with knee quad injuries. And Gordon Hayward got hurt again. There's a third time in nine weeks. And also, there's a little bit of blame on the Hornets side, if you believe Gordon Hayward's wife, because it was supposed to be a shoulder sprain that might be a fracture. A lot of mystery over there as well. So there has been a big hit to this team because of injuries. Their main guys have missed 70 games, and that's a number that is steadily growing. So that's been the issue um, of the Hornets. 16 players, only two of them have played less than seven games. Uh, I think you've seen good moments from Kai Jones and Nick Richards. Uh, You know, in the absence of any consistent offensive production, Terry Rozier has stepped up despite his shooting numbers being Pretty awful, uh, specifically from three. And Kelly Oubre as well, even though Kelly Oubre is what Kelly Oubre is, which is a low percentage uh, score. But he's been helpful as well. Uh, the problem is their impact hasn't been enough for this Hornets team to win. And I really think, Richard, that injuries are a big reason why, but we knew this team was going to be not one of the best teams coming in just because of the whole Miles – Bridges situation that surrounded them, the fact they obviously with good reason did not bring him back, but also didn't replace him, didn't really make any moves, try out the same roster minus one of your key contributors from the year before. Uh, I, I guess I have to ask you, do you think that this is something that we already saw coming? The fact that they were going to be woefully unprepared to actually compete uh, at a serious level this season? Yeah, I think we kind of, yeah, the warning signs were there just because, I mean, especially if you look at their performance in the um, play-in games the last two seasons where they've been blown out, you know, they've been blown out in those games. And so, and, and also, you know, they've kind of missed on a few, on a few draft, on some, on some of their draft picks where James Booknight is sort of, has not really worked out as kind of planned. They kind you know, Mark. Mark Williams kind of is not quite gotten a lot of not a lot of minutes. So when you're kind of looking at this team from a long-term standpoint, you're just you're just going, okay, who who is a core piece next that's going to be you know developing with Lamelo Ball for the next you know three five, three to five years? You it's you'd be pretty hard pressed to find you know someone that you can say you know. That's a guy. That's a guy I can 
that's a guy, you know, I can help build this team. You know, I can have him slide, you know, play next to LaMelo ball. And, you know, we can build, you know, build our team with, you know, this group in place. So it's a lot of this is, you know, LaMelo ball is basically by himself for the next few years. So it almost is, it you know, they almost have to hit, they almost have to kind of, nail this next draft pick at least to get him you know get him someone to you know someone to play with for the for the few you know for the next few years yeah the foreseeable future yeah and so i mean so along those lines if you're looking at you know we have we're you know december 15th is when a lot of the um free agents that signed this summer are going to be eligible to be traded and so you you might see a ramp up of an activity in the next you know six in that in the next in the time between December 15th and the trade deadline, if they're looking trade deadline, you know, they don't have a lot of pieces that would say get that might get them a first round pick, but you know, if they can shuffle some, you know, they, you know, they have some veterans that might be that some teams might find to be useful. And so if they can maybe buy low on a young guy that, you know, kind of has some upside that um, hasn't quite sort of lived, you know, that, you know, hasn't quite panned out, you know, you, you know, an idea of mind would be someone like James Wiseman, where you. Would I like of, that. You know, yeah. They, you know, they could flip somebody like you know, you know, Mason the Warriors. Um, Kelly Oubre was the guy I was thinking because you oh. know, the Warriors value <laughs> continuity and their offense is very difficult for new people to pick up. You know, which is why when they've contended, they just haven't made a lot of midseason moves. So Kelly Oubre would make a lot of sense because he was. He was he was on the Warriors a couple seasons ago, so he there's familiarity with the system, and you know he's had you know you you know largely starter sixth man with them, so you know played an important role. So maybe it's like yeah, you know they might the Warriors might need some more wing depth, you know, just to you know wing depth, you know, behind Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, and you know James Wiseman hasn't quite fit in with their system, and so this gives you know. And, you know, he because, you know, he's more of a traditional kind of rim running, you know, post up big man. So you kind of that might, you know, work, work better with Charlotte than it would with Golden State. And so that might be a trade idea to consider. And then other things kind of along that path where you find, you know, you know, you know, kind of a younger guy, you know, that isn't quite getting playing time or the role. Cam Reddish is kind of another guy that's kind of along those lines where he's kind of unhappy with his role. And so maybe if, you know, there's, you know, again, a, a veteran or two that the Knicks might want, there's a, there's another kind of high, there's an, there's a upside play that might, that might be worth a, worth a shot for a team for, you know, a team like the Hornets where, they can get some, and those guys are young. They're kind of around Lamelo Ball's age. Yeah, development so guys, right? Yeah, so it's like you got like a little bit of a a group to kind of a group to kind of grow and develop and kind of take you know kind of take the steps to kind of being you know you know more solid playoff team. So that's kind of- yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess when you describe this, it's almost like a team taking a step back, evaluating, maybe acquiring and evaluating young talent and seeing how to form the best core around LaMelo Ball moving forward. So I have to ask you, is this more of a retooling type 
season for Charlotte? Do you think it's more of a rebuild? LaMelo Ball is young enough that that could still be a thing, rebuilding this truly in his image. Um, does that looking at maybe jettisoning, you know, Terry Rozier, obviously, like you mentioned, Kelly Oubre. I guess I just want to see what you think in terms of timeline, if you do think it's a rebuild or retool type situation with Wimanyama, of course, being the prize if, you know, all things worked out. Yeah, I'd kind of go almost like soft kind of retool just because, you know, we're also, you know, he's in his, what, he's in his third year. So he's going to, yeah, LaMelo Ball's, enter, you know, this is his third year. So next kind of summer, October, he's due for the max extension. So mm-hmm. once, you know, when you're looking at, you know, once that kicks in, you want to, you know, you want to kind of ramp up, kind of go for it and start winning. So, in this time, while he's still kind of on a rookie contract, and some got some, some you know some guys are coming off the books like Gordon Hayward's contract is, you know, is a you know it's it'll it won't expire this year, but it'll be I believe it is that next year. So then, so once if that expires and you can you have some cap space and you know cap space to work with and you you know you can you know, shuffle some things around so you can get a better kind of support system around him and mm-hmm. around him. And so when, you know, again, so then, so then when, you know, when ball, you know, ha- is actually making one of these, mar- you know, making his max extension, you want, you don't want, you know, to you don't want there to be too many holes on the roster or else yeah. you know, you're going to be capped out. No, you know, not a whole lot, of, not a lot to work with. So yeah, you know, it'll be like, uh, Huh? Yeah, just yeah. So having pieces that that can kind of help them win when that extension kicks in is gonna be is gonna be key. Absolutely, absolutely. I was gonna say it will be like the uh, early. You probably remember the early two thousand Timberwolves, where Kevin Garnett had such a huge salary that the Wolves were kind of hamstrung to make other moves. And then he was yeah. in his prime, and he was wasting his prime with players who weren't up to the salary or up to the standard of Kevin Garnett. Yeah, that's really yeah. We've seen this yeah, yeah many times. Yeah, uh, many uh, times. Yeah. Other many other times in the league where yeah, we've seen like, that as well. You're right. I was yeah, just Anthony thinking Davis the Timberwolves because Anthony Davis with the Pelicans. Yeah, these generational talents, man. I mean, sometimes front offices they put themselves in a hole and then wonder why they leave when they do. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. But moving on from the Hornets to your next team, a team that's been surprising in the standings, Richard. I think if you had asked either of us, uh, well, definitely me, um, you know, going into the season, who would be among, you know, the leaders for women, Yama, Scoot Henderson, the like, I would have said the Oklahoma City Thunder. But behind just a crazy all-NBA type season from Shea Gilgis Alexander and some young un- younger guys stepping up, Jalen Williams, they've been doing well. Uh, tell me more about this Thunder team and why they've been so surprising. Yeah, they've been um, really surprising just um, just because they, they've they collected this huge just trove of young, young talent. This trove of young talent, they're all super long, super athletic. Um, so, I mean, you have, yeah, so, and th- a lot of those guys, you know, they kind of took, took some kind of, they took their lumps kind of as like, you know, rookies and young guys kind of last year, the year before. So they do have some, you know, like some interesting pieces that they've also put around Shea Gilders where Josh, Josh Giddy is a, Josh Giddy is, you know, kind of a, uh, kind of a great kind of open court kind of playmaker. Lou Dort is kind of multi, you know, been one of the better multi-position kind of defenders in the league. 
Um, we got, in, you know, good, you know, energetic kind of small ball five-ish with Jeremiah Robinson Earl kind of able to do his, you know, able to kind of play a little inside, stretch the floor. Um, Jalen Williams is kind of – Jalen Williams, the lottery pick from – <laughs> yeah, you know, has, has had <laughs> you know, has, needed. Yeah, yeah, because there are two Jalen Williams on the yep. Thunder. So yeah, he's yeah done well as just kind of wing guy, kind you know, kind of slash to the rim, do offer a little playmaking, you know, yeah, and then um, and then Pokashevsky is you know has come, come Alexei Pokashevsky has come in, you know, gradually improving every year, you know, gives them kind of a interesting kind of talk like. You know, kind of, kind of, almost, kind of a, kind of a similar, like, kind of along the same kind of similar, similar game to bowl bowl, where he can handle the ball a little bit, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, make a few plays. He's, he's his 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 shot has developed um, really great. You know, has really come on. You know, this year where he's been pretty solid. You know, spot up shooter can yeah. go can kind of, you know, roam kind of the weak side to kind of get steals, blocks. As a team, it is kind of the – it is like the like the leanest team in the league where you look on the court and Lou Dort is like the bulkiest guy on the floor mm-hmm. where, yeah, they were playing the Pelicans last week and they were trying – you, you were – they were trotting out lineups where like, you know, Pokashevsky's being out, you know, just – is matching up against Jonas Valanciunas and he's he's like 70 you know like yeah. he's got like 70 pounds on him Zion Williamson's got maybe up like 80 to 100 pounds on anybody he was matched up with on <laughs> but well, like, yeah they but they play you know it's it offensively they they keep it really simple it's a really kind of heliocentric kind of offense kind of where Shea is kind of Shea Gilgis you know SGA is kind of around the main focal point of the offense kind of let him kind of drive and, you know, kind of drive, kick, kind of do his, you know, drive, kick, kind of do his thing. And the other kind of four guys kind of come in real simplified roles, even though, even though, you know, like as a group, they're not the greatest kind of shooting team. It kind of, you know, they, they, they play at a fast enough tempo where that offensively kind of works to, help them generate points and then defensively all that length and athleticism and their ability to kind of switch and switch has kind of made them kind of a tough team, a a lot of a tough team for a lot of, you know, for, for people to play against. So Mm -hmm. they're in, you know, they're in almost every, they're in almost every game they play. And, you know, even if they don't, you know, they don't come away with wins, but you know, if they're, but you know, if they, you know, if you don't, you know, if, if, you know, teams aren't kind of bringing their A game. You know, they can they can sneak out a win or two. So they've been interesting to kind of to watch. And and in this sense, like they're at this point where they kind of they've accumulated kind of all the assets they can. They their team is you know pretty much almost all their own kind of young you know their own drafted and developed players. So they don't really need to sort of acquire any more assets or they really don't have, they also don't have veterans to sell off. So in this whole, like, you know, kind of tanking, jockeying for draft position, they might, you know, they're almost better off kind of staying, kind of just letting, staying with what they have and just kind of letting this group kind of develop and kind of just kind of 
build on any kind of positive momentum they can. And and even with the all the assets they've collected, if somebody like if somebody kind of interesting is available, you know, they might even consider buying just, you know, just so so then next year when next year comes along, mm. they're gonna get another boost because um hopefully, you know, Chet Holmgren is you know, Chet Holmgren recovers from his his foot injury. So so yeah. that's a you know big yeah, it's a big kind of that's a another long rim running <laughs> rim running kind of dynamic offensive and defensive player to kind of add to this group in addition to, you know, they, you know, in addition to, you know, multiple first round picks. So they can maybe get, you know, maybe take some of those picks and they don't dip, you know, they, they don't, you know, if they don't trade any, any, any of their important young guys and they can, you know, take yeah. advantage of whatever, you know, cap flexibility they have, you know, and maybe, you know, to add a veteran, like they jump in, you know, maybe throw two or three first round picks of the Pacers for someone like Miles Turner. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Or, yeah. So find someone, you know, someone like that or another, you know, some kind of, you know, youngish veteran to kind of, kind of help kind of put the, you know, kind of push this group kind of to like another kind of, level, level. Mm-hmm. it could you know and then you know you pair that with just just natural growth from you know natural sort of organic growth from this group of players you know they they could be they could you know they could you know be a legit playoff team you know early maybe next you know early as next year maybe you know because yeah. especially if the way you know sga has been playing if he keeps this up you know these are yeah if they are, if you know, everybody else start if everyone else grows around him, you know, they should be, you know, tough team to kind of kind of contend with in the West. Absolutely. I think that you're right. They have the blueprint laid out. We've already seen much has been made of Sam Presti and his, you know, um, asset management in terms of just stockpiling draft picks. But right now you're starting to see the fruitage of some of that you know, fan labor, if you will, come into light with some of these players in the development. And you're right. Bring in a boost with Chet Holmgren next season. You know, I don't think they're going to win up to make a play-in spot. So more than likely, you'll be back in the lottery. You'll get another um, potential impact player in the draft. Now you come back with all these players who are a little more seasoned. SGA, who's fully coming into his own, plus Chet Holmgren, plus lottery player X. And now you're looking at a team that, yeah, they could be a frisky. They can make a Pelicans-like leap next year. You know what I mean? Or Sacramento Kings like Leap, you know, with younger guys. Yeah, and especially like you look at it, like they still are kind of the they're still due all like a, a, a bunch of picks from the Paul George trade and the Westbrook trade. And those yeah, yeah those, a lot of those, those picks are still coming. In. They haven't yep. cashed those in and they have yeah, they basically have more draft picks than they do available rotation spots. So it's almost right for them to kind of cash a lot of these in to make some kind of move. They've, they've eaten some, you know, they've eaten some money over, you know, you know, to, 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 to acquire some of the, you know, picks that became players that now, you know, now where they ate, you know, some of Kemba Walker's contract. And so they have, you know, some dead money, you know, that's going to come off the books, you know, as early as this summer. So they could easily kind of take that space and, find you know make a make a deal to you know add you know kind of a valuable veteran or two to just kind of to kind of help this group along because you know they yeah now now they're at the point where you know they don't need you know they don't necessarily need more young guys you know but if you know really you know again if 
if they get lucky in the lottery and someone like Wembenyama, you know, falls into their lap, they'll definitely mm-hmm. take him. Yep. Yeah, no, you said it. They definitely would. And, and that's where you have them now in a spot where, again, like, they're still growing. And for those players, you're getting the most out of them because you're right. Like, it's just a simple numbers game. There's going to be some of these guys on this roster that will not be on this team that are really playing to show, hey, we got some skills. Hey, we got some talent. If not, if you're Sam Presti in the front office, okay, well, we have X, Y, Z pick. This player looks like a nice fit in our system, you know, to make it work. Because, again, SGA just got his monster extension, but, you know, what, in two, three years' time, it'll be Chet Holmgren's turn. And Josh Giddy will be in between that time. You're going to have players, before they can start getting expensive, that now is the time to really yield the most out of this young, affordable talent that you have at your disposal. Yeah, absolutely. That's where, yeah, that's where things are going to get it. Yeah, because, yeah, you have all these guys just, you know, on their – they're still on their rookie deal. So while you have them, you know, basically below market value – you can use whatever surplus you can get to find find value that you wouldn't, you know, especially, you know, again, especially this is, you know, important for a team like Oklahoma City, whereas they're just not a team that signs free agents or, you know, signs free agents. So, you know, working, you know, the trademark and kind of find, you know, trading for guys that, you know, they would they otherwise wouldn't be able to acquire is something that, you know, is kind of the reason was one of the reasons why they're, you know, they stockpiled all these assets anyway. So this is, you know, kind of, you know, coming into the, you know, this next trade deadline, you know, the draft and kind of this free agent period is a time where you could see them kind of get, get kind of get a little more aggressive than kind of we're used to. And, you know, look to make a, make a, make a move to kind of, put somebody around SGA and kind of compliment this group of got group of players. And they have a concept that we're a concept where we're starting to see kind of how this is going to work and how they can use that to contend kind of in the next few years. Absolutely. Absolutely. The blueprint is there. The future is bright for the Oklahoma city thunder team. I don't know if I can say the future is bright for this next team we're about to talk about, but I mean, the future is now, and that is the Los Angeles Lakers, of course. Right now, they're sitting at 10 and 13. They're 13 in the West. They had routed off a stretch of 7 out of 9. They're 22nd offensive rating, 14th in defensive rating, 18th in net rating. They just had a loss to Cleveland that was bad. Um, they lost Anthony Davis. He was out the flu. Um, as we're recording this, uh, they are without the service of both Anthony Davis, who's still out with the flu, and LeBron James with that ankle um, injury that he's kind of been battling for most of the season, and they are losing to the Toronto Raptors, probably um, understandably so. But outside of that, I think, honestly, if you're going to talk about the Lakers in this season, you can't do it without talking about the play of Anthony Davis, who has been on an absolute tear. Um, the guy's been healthy for one, which has been great. Even though he's battled some back tightness and stuff, his last two games that he played before leaving early, um, against Cleveland, he had posted a combined 99 points, 27 rebounds, five assists, four threes, and six blocks. Um, this guy has been on, uh, just on fire, like all over the place right now. He's taking a lot of his shots directly around the basket. Um, taking less from three, less from mid-range, or at least the deep mid-range, which has helped his efficiency. I think Darvin Ham has really made it a priority to focus on AD and to play through him. Uh, LeBron has done that as well when he's returned. 
Russell Westbrook off the bench has tremendous chemistry with Anthony Davis, so that's been helpful. I mean, AD's been the straw that stirs the drink, and what many people, including myself, weren't super high on. I did not think that AD was going to be that guy after the last two seasons. I thought, okay, time to trade him like this after LeBron window where we turn the team over to AD is just not sustainable, not realistic, not a thing. And yet here we are. Um, and before him going down, the Lakers were really starting to come back. But aside from that, I mean, it is what it is. The Lakers are one of the worst shooting teams out there. They have some of the worst supporting cast um, in terms of players to go alongside LeBron and AD. Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker have been great. Troy Brown Jr. has been serviceable, but I think he's a little overmatched for the role he has to play. Um, you had a very disappointing season from Patrick Beverly so far. Russell Westbrook's been good. Uh, is he what you want to pay $44 million for good? Probably not, but, you know, coming off the bench, make an impact, being a star for that second unit has been great. But after that, Thomas Bryant's been up and down. Winning Gabriel's okay. Kendrick Nunn's had a horrible season. Wanda Scott Anderson's not in the rotation anymore. Damian Jones with the player option, by the way, not in the rotation anymore. Like, it's not been a super good look for the Lakers outside of Anthony Davis and then to a lesser extent LeBron and then to a lesser extent Russell Westbrook and then to a lesser extent Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker. So, you know, they're in a spot now where, hey, December 15th comes around. You know, players who recently signed can be traded. Uh, apparently, there's been a lot of, you know, rumors about the Lakers trading a package of, um, you know, Kendrick Nunn alongside Patrick Beverly and maybe a second or, you know, maybe even a first for some type of player that might make more of an impact either on the wing or at their big man position alongside AD. So that's been talked about. The Russell Westbrook trade rumors have kind of died down a little bit just because he's been playing so well. Uh relative to his role, but the Lakers are in a tough spot because 13th in the West is still 13th in the West. It's been crazy, and the Lakers are still in the mix of it, but their margin of error is super thin, and we know that their pick isn't available. In fact, the next two picks they have, they've been trying to dangle and trade, the 2027 and the 2029 first-round pick. So it's been tough for them. Um, Writing's on the wall in terms of trying to make things happen while you still can. LeBron turns 38 at the end of the month. AD, you're probably getting the healthiest stretch you've had from him since 2020 season. So you want to capitalize on that. And you realize that your pick, which is in a prime position for one of those top two players, you know, is going to New Orleans, courtesy of the Anthony Davis trade. So I feel like the Lakers are kind of what we expected because we knew that it would only go as far as LeBron and AD took them um, or has taken them. But also, like, they don't have a choice. You know, we talked about, like, the Thunder can play, you know, both now and the future. Or Charlotte can look to a real retooling type of year. The Lakers are right there with the Bulls. I mean, you can do that, but it doesn't make a lot of sense given your personnel, your lack of picks, and the current situation. Yeah, it's kind of it's, – it's a tough situation because, yeah, they don't have – you know, again, they don't have a ton of flexibility because even, like – if you even yeah like wanted to go rebuild you know it's really just it's really just anthony davis and that's uh as your main you know as the main ship that can get you a return everything else you're sort of okay seeing if you can pack you know again package beverly you know none maybe first round pick or two and then you know maybe you pull somebody like a bojan bogdanovich or something you know where but then, you know, again, like a lot of these names have been circling around for the past few months. So you wonder, like, if every other team around the league kind of knows the Lakers are shopping them, they kind of use that as almost a, 
like as just kind of a as kind of a almost like a bare minimum sort of thing where it's like we know that's on the table and we just sort of use that to kind of hope we can get a better you know help hope we can get a better offer for our veteran player and so it comes to a point where you know yeah they i don't know if the lakers have actually like handled these the, the the this these this the, this trading period kind of as well as they have because they've kind of yeah they've almost they've acted almost out of de- you know too much desperation to the point where you wonder how much value their you know their roster actually has in a, aside from you know Anthony Davis and you know then again LeBron actually can't be traded this this season because he signed his extension in. October and so that takes the restriction takes him past the trade deadline and then Russell Westbrook's been kind of his name's been in rumors since he's been on the team basically and then yeah yeah then you know you've had you know none and Beverly and then yeah then a lot of minimum salary guys so it's so they're kind of backed into that corner where they can't really sell anything off and then they also can't really buy anything because most of their picks are kind of spoken you know they're they're either going to new orleans in one way or the other because of the anthony davis trade and so you have this these this these 20 so 27 2029 picks that you know they may you know again they may have value they may they may not depending you know because we're talking four five you know five you know like four to seven years into the future. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so, yeah, far, out. so far out and prospects look like, and even, yeah, if you're, and if, you know, and if it, you're the Lakers, I mean, is there anyone really, I mean, is it really worth, is it really worth like, you know, like whatever future exists at that point, like that you've already sort of, you've already, you know, kind of punted, you know, the neck, you know, like, you know, going, you know, like building for the future all the way out till 2025, 2026 is like, you want to keep going, keep digging deeper into this. And so they kind of have almost no choice to kind of ride this, you know, they're almost better off kind of kind of riding this out. You know, you have Westbrook and some of these guys kind of coming off the books and you might have, you know, the cap kind of goes up you know, this summer. So you might have some cap space to do something and sort of, you know, kind of maybe retool and kind of around LeBron and AD. And so you might kind of, that might be the better path instead of, you know, maybe trying to force something this year where, yeah, I think they're, you know, this like recent stretch, as long as Anthony Davis is healthy, you know, they're not as bad as they were the first, few weeks of the season but you know they're you know maybe not quite a contender and so maybe they might you know be you know if, again you get you know if ad can stay healthy lebron can kind of get kind of health you know stay healthy towards the end you might be able to make you know you might those two guys might be able to carry them enough to kind of get within range of that play-in sort of birth but yeah they're in kind of a really they're in kind of a tough spot with their with their roster and kind of asset situation and yeah because the pieces 
the pieces don't fit, but they don't really have the means to find find guys find guys that can fit. So that's really kind of what they're kind like of that. yeah. It's it's true. I mean, it. I feel like the Lakers situation is so black and white. Like you know, what I mean, it's 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 there. It's known. Um, and you're right. They can do some. I guess my question here: What would you do if you're the Lakers right now? As we approach December fifteenth, as we know the trade deadline comes around March. If you're the Lakers right now, you're you're Opelinka, What are you doing? Yeah, that's. A, I mean. You can kind of get, I mean, maybe you can kind of get creative where it's like, okay, maybe there's someone that's someone that has a few years left on their contract and you have an expiring, you might be able to say, okay, if there's, you know, someone looking to kind of dump pay, you know, open up some cap space, you know, maybe even like, yeah, you go to a team like Charlotte and maybe, you know, they just, they just signed, you know, Terry Rozier to a multi year a multi-year extension so if you know with the restrictions or you know whenever those restrictions kind of um you know kind of come to bear yeah. come when yeah they, when, whenever they get you know the, they're out of those restrictions the or they, they can yeah. when they can de- when you know ro- somebody like rosier can be you know aggregated with someone else maybe you take someone like take some expirings like beverly and and try to you know maybe take back somebody with you know maybe take back to, you know, to take on more money to find somebody, you know, yeah. to, to find somebody. And then, you know, again, maybe even, and then, and then probably, you know, they, they should probably just, you know, find a way, you know, again, this is for a long-term thing, you know, it's like, if you're going to be in these salary, salary, you know, if you're kind of capped out, you know, if you aren't invested in your G league operation and you can't, mm-hmm. you know, come up with, you can't, you know, kind of use that to, you know, you know, generate kind of a cheap contributor to, you know, help you out. You're kind of setting, you're kind of setting yourself back, but like any kind of creative way to kind of, okay, maybe you take an expiring and find, you know, take on money. Maybe you can get, maybe you can get, you know, a veteran that might be, might, you know, might fit with this roster, you know, you know, might help you out in the short term. Otherwise, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of, they have, let's see, they have a lot of these guys kind of coming, you know, especially uh, with Russell Westbrook's contract kind of comes off the books and uh, um, so I'm trying to see. Yeah. Yeah. Westbrook's is this next year uh, at the end of the season, he's expired or expiring. Yeah. Then Beverly, you know, Beverly Nunn, Mm-hmm. Yeah, only one that's going to be on that team is LeBron, AD, Damian Jones with the player option, um, the Max Christie. Yeah, yeah, Max Christie. Yeah. So then, yeah, yeah. So you have basically again, you renounce, you know, get if you, yeah, you don't, you renounce rights. So then they don't, you know, those cap holds don't count. You have, mm-hmm. you have, you know, you have space for, you know, at least one max level. Maybe, you know, you might have space for a max level guy or, you know, you can, you know, use that max level space and split it up amongst multiple contributors. And that might be kind of a a way to go to at least maybe bounce back, you know, short term. Mm -hmm. You know, at least make make it so you're not, you know, at least whatever damage they're taking from the um, Davis, you know, from, from, 
what they're giving up from the Davis trade, you know, is kind of minimized where, you know, you're not necessarily giving up high. Maybe you know, it's like if you're giving up mid first round picks instead of high lottery picks, it, you know, yeah. kind of salvages the situation. And you might, yeah. you know, you might, you know, you might, you know, have a shot at, you know, shot at the playoffs and kind of something like that. So. It's going to be interesting. Like you said, there's long shots, but his possibilities for sure. We'll just have to see if those come into play. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was our first little peak. This is our first episode, if you will, of the Tangathon update. I think next time we roll around with this, Richard, in about a couple weeks or so, we're going to be looking more into the teams that we expected um, to probably be here, uh, you know, and where they fit. And it's going to be exciting because soon we're going to use Richard's expertise, you know, working you know alongside front offices and with his scouting experience to look at the actual draft players involved, potential fits. It's going to be a lot of fun developing this series out. But, Richard, thank you again for this. this is, as always, a good time, and I really appreciate our first installment here of the NBA Tankathon update. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem at all, man. Definitely make sure to check out Richard's work again on Twitter at RVLHoops. I'll have the link for his Substack as well as his Amazon author link there as well. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA if you are so inclined. Definitely appreciate anyone looking in on that. But with that being said, check out Round Ball Ramble wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Stitcher, YouTube, all of it. You want it, we have it. Look it out over there. Look out for it over there. There we go. Uh, but for Richard, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.